I am not pining for you anymore. I'm not. I was. Then I saw the light. <laughs> that kiss. I was upset. It was nice and comforting. And then you went back to your new life and your accidental fiance. Yeah, well, I'm glad we kissed. Oh, you're talking in riddles. No, I'm just telling it how it is. Yeah, except to Alina, your fiance. Oh, all right. I'm not wasting it's... my time talking about this anymore. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 172 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catch-Up podcast that remembers Chekhov's principle that if you introduce a tarantula in Act 1, you must be crawling up someone's back in Act 2. I'm Gavin. And my weekend's fucked. Join the club. <laughs> Our weekend's fucked. The kids are home. Yay! Mm. Stelly has a soccer tournament yes, all, she does. all weekend. From so. starting at like fucking four o'clock in the morning or so it seems... <laughs> Yeah, and then there's like this huge chunk of time in between games. It's like one in the morning and then one in the afternoon. Not one o'clock in the morning. Just to be clear. No. Right. Correct. We're not yeah. making 12 and 13 year old girls play soccer <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning. No. We're not that bad. And I suppose, you know, they're teenagers now. So on the whole, we don't see an awful lot of them. Yeah, we said this last week. Did we? Mm hmm. Well, it's still true because they're at the homecoming game right now and we're recording a podcast on a Friday because we can't do it on Saturday because I will be at a soccer game. Friday night. This this used to be how we did it all, all the, the time. time. And then I, we have... Whilst drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have uh, <coughs> the poach in the bar to do on Sunday. And thank God, finally, after two very unlucky months... We actually have a, a poet send in their recording on time and everything, and we have a full open mic roster. We have so, that, and then we have our SpongeBob Squarecast, which has started up again, which yes. has started to rave reviews from Germany. Delightful. Delightful. They probably like the fact that Steli occasionally swears in German on the, <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> right. And then we have a super secret squirrel project yes. that we're not going to talk about. Not yet. Stay what, tuned. What, what could it possibly be? Ooh. You can relax, Emmerdale fans. We're not going to be talking about Emmerdale. No. Not this time. No, no. We've we've kind of put the Common Language podcast on hiatus. It was it was just it was something that was taking a lot of time every week to sort of get organized and research and everything, and it was starting to become more like homework than than fun and we have one rule that we that we made, one promise we made to each other when we started this whole thing, and that is when it stops being fun, we'll stop doing it. I made no such promise. <laughs> yes, you did. I power through the <laughs> through the power lack through of the fun. Pain. Right. <laughs> That's how you know it's not working. It's when it's painful. <laughs> yeah. So we'll replace that with something that um, we'll, we'll we'll see about the course. Yeah. Yeah. It's it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. And if you like this, you'll probably like that. Maybe. Because I imagine the banter will be similar. Ooh. 
Or the banter. <laughs> the banter police may be called. Yes. It may be a bit more argumentative, though. I don't know. We'll see. Depends on what kind of mood we're in. <laughs> As is normally the case. We have an awful lot to get through, so... Yes, we do. Shall we... Shall we just cut to the chase here and shall we... Yeah, let's just rip that bandage off. Give us some of that. I was going to say band-aid, band-aid and then I said bandage. So it's like bandage. Oh, well, give us some of that bandaged Cory news then. <laughs> Alia isn't the only one caught in a scam on Cory. No. I know we haven't talked about it yet, but still, it this just fit perfectly. Tony Mosley, who rock bottoms his way into our hearts <laughs> as The Undertaker, was right. caught out by an NHS vaccine passport scam. Fortunately, unlike Alia, he figured it out and was able to cancel his card before the scammers could empty and take out all of his money. Good for him. Yeah. He was like on Twitter saying, oh, God, I'm such an idiot. <laughs> it's nice that, you know, he admits that he's an idiot you know, publicly on, on Twitter. But it's good because then it warns other people that things like this happen. Well, I, I think there should still be some kind of shame attached to it, well, yes. which will encourage people to stay vigilant So because yes. they don't want to have that kind of shameful thing thrown upon them. Right. But one of the guys on my YouTube rabbit holes, mm-hmm. Jim Browning, he's one of the guys that scams the scammers. Right. And he's got a series of videos on YouTube which are, which are quite incredible that he manages to hack into the CCTV in the call centres in India where people are doing these scams. scams. That's that's the level of detail that you can get into. Wow. Somebody scammed him. He lost his YouTube channel for like a week or something How like that. How did that happen? Somebody phoned up pretending to be from YouTube pretending to be an affiliate or something like that, managed to catch him kind of unawares and managed to rob him of his YouTube account. And he believed them. Yeah. he Well, and given his position, yeah. you better believe he feels like an absolute fanny because right. of this. Right? Yeah. But he owned up to it and he explained how it happened. Right. So if he can get caught out... Anybody can. Right. Yeah. But I, I think just distrust everything. Right. This is why I don't even answer the phone anymore. Hardly ever. (laughs) Hardly ever. The mobile and gaming store EE is coming to the cobbles. This is weird. Yeah. EE will have a storefront on the show and and characters will begin to carry their brightly colored shopping bags. Mon the product placement money. But it seems to be in replacement of the Costa. I thought it was right next to the Costa. I thought it it was in place of the Costa. I've seen people say that's means that we're going to get rid of the Costa. No, I think the Costa is one over. Because why would they get rid of the Costa money? And Costa is great because cups. Well, sure. And people go and get coffee all the time. Right. How many times do you buy a mobile phone? Right. Or a new gaming system. Once a year? If that. Right. When's the last time we bought a gaming system? It's been like three years. No. Four years. No. May I remind you of the twice played oculus which is sitting behind me is that really a gaming system that's exactly what it is or is it just it's a vr machine yeah a vr gaming system Eh, i don't count that as like well i do same as a playstation but yeah i'll have to try that one of these days i just it's quite good i just can't be bothered with it i'm just i'm just afraid it's gonna make me sick oh it it made me bump into things (laughs) 
I was playing table tennis and I nearly took the head of the, I nearly took the head of the dog, and I nearly smashed a lamp. And I decided that this isn't for me anymore. And then I got a climbing game, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting in my chair, climbing, pretending to climb, and I just felt like a complete arsehole. I wish I'd been there to see it. <laughs> right. Ah oh, well. Come on, you recording news. This is taking forever. It's bright colours. They're like yellow and teal. It's quite pretty. The EE. What does EE stand for? Oh, I, I think it's everything everywhere or something like that. Oh, well, that's just... It was It was, uh, it was after my time. Yeah. It's a post-2012 company. I have no idea. I think it replaced right. Orange. That's probably wrong as well. Hmm. I'm sure somebody will tell us. Yes. Hi, Scott. <laughs> probably. Hi, John. <laughs> Finally, the awards keep rolling in for folks on the street. The show has won Best Soap of the Year, and Shelley King has won for Best Soap Actor on the TV and Radio Industries Club Awards. Well. Yeah. So, geez, how many awards shows do they have over there? Too many. Yeah. <laughs> Far too More than we do, and we've got a lot. We, too many. We've got, we've got the Emmys to watch on Sunday. You know, no time for the Emmys. The Emmys, the Emmys are so vast that half of the awards were given out last week. Oh, they've done the Oscars as well, don't they? I think they do it for the BAFTAs, the kind of technical stuff. Yeah, The yeah. stuff that nobody gives a shit about. Right, but one of the ones that they gave away last week was for the TV movie, the best TV movie, and they gave it to that Dolly Parton Christmas one, which... I don't care. Was it, They were all awful, but that was not the best of the awful... And that's Corey News. That's Corey News. Now let's will podcast for coffee, shall we? One of these days we need to get a video camera in here and no. record us doing the podcast so people can see our dancing <laughs> to the coffee music. Well, see me attempting to climb something. <laughs> Thank you to Trisha. I have to put a bra on. <laughs> as will I. Thank you, Trisha, for your donation this week. And thanks to Jules as well. Jules says, I really enjoy your podcast and I like your spirit of giving to the refugees real people with real problems. Thank you to you both. Well, thank you. For your generous donations. That takes us above 200 bucks. Wow. That's so impressive. Yeah, I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah. So we'll be doing this for another couple of weeks where uh, our normal coffee money, rather than going onto a card to pay for coffees for us every week, we'll go to rescue.org, the International uh, Rescue Committee for their humanitarian work in Afghanistan, which is still ongoing. Still ongoing. But yeah, I'm pleasantly pleased. Yes, me too. uh, This is, I think been quite successful so yes. if you want to donate to that you can do so by going to ko-fi.com that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street and we'll be very appreciative yes. thanks again to jules and to trisha we are actually drinking coffee even though it's almost eight o'clock at night mm-hmm. yeah and now hindsight corner oh yeah you better oh. oh no blue 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 Black cats. What about them? Last week, you insisted that black cats are bad, bad luck. luck. Our friend John wrote in to say, Helen is both right and wrong about this. Those daft Americaners do think that there are bad luck, Oi! but Celtic nations Oi! and the Japanese in particular think that they're good luck. 
And then Scotland, just to back that up, one of the things I enjoy most about your podcast, it says, is the UK versus US culture clash. And it was totally evident in this week's, in this week's discussion about black cats. Helen was horrified that anyone would consider a black cat anything but bad luck, but... The truth is, in Britain, we're far more ambivalent about it, and a black cat can actively be good luck, particularly in Scotland. I actually love black cats, by the way. I want to go on record. Personally, I've always been taught that a black cat on the path is good rather than bad luck. Of course, it's all a load of old bollocks, whichever way you slice it, but it's still useful to know. This is true. See, maybe we should still be doing common language so we could do a, black, a superstition episode. Well, I think we've just done the black cat part of it. Right, yeah. But there we go. We should have an exchange programme where black cats from this country can be shipped to the UK where their their luck can be reversed mid-Atlantic. And, and, and they would overrun that teeny tiny island. Mm-hmm. That could be quite fun to watch. <laughs> It'd be like uh, the raccoons in Japan. Oh, was that a thing? Yeah. Lots of Japanese people in like the 70s and 80s oh, thought raccoons the, would not be... not the cartoon show, the raccoons. No. no I've lost interest. <laughs> and now this. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about... Wormageddon. Ooh, worms last year, spiders this year. That's right, this was Abby and the can of worms that she opened with Debbie by talking about her recent muck-related temptations. Ooh. So many cans of worms getting opened, it's a Ooh. Wormageddon. Oh yes, this was uh, during uh, Abby's um, Hindu. No, our, our dalliance with, with drugs. Oh, I thought this was during her Hindu when everybody was... No, the Hindu was this year. That was when Seb died, remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. This isn't <laughs> three months ago tonight. <laughs> Although maybe that should be a future. Maybe. I was Gavin and you'd had too much cider last night. This was your first booze in two months after RBG passed away. Plus it was your week where you had to deal with people. Remember your week when you had to deal with people? Ugh. That was that week I'd rather last forget... Year. Mm-hmm. The week I had to deal with people. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with people anymore. <laughs> I still had coffee from last week left on the desk. <laughs> I drank it. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's because it was black. You didn't. You weren't using cream at the time. You right. were all black, like well, your cat. Oliver doesn't seem to be right. Is that good luck or bad luck <laughs> for black coffee? <clears throat> if only somebody could tell us. Mm. Oliver doesn't seem to be long for the world which Leanne chooses to ignore while Nick manages to use this to disguise his emotions about his newly discovered secret son. We were also introduced to the mysterious German doctor, Dr. Schmidt. Oh yes, who was full of Scheiser. <laughs> Billy and his man bag spend the best part of the week tracking down Paul and then sanctimoniously telling Paul how he should feel about Kel's demise because Kel's dead now. Yes. Ray Weinstein shows an unnatural interest in buying number eight. Mm. Daniel and Adam try to outbore each other while Kirk's detective skills are left somewhat exposed. Abby finds a trouble shared as a trouble doubled as both Kev and Debbie hear about her recent dalliance with the muck. Mary appears to be developing feelings for an undertaker. Uh-oh. And Dev makes a spreadsheet. Her moment of the work... <laughs> Our moment of the week was Nick balancing Oliver's demise and Sam's appearance. And our boring moment of the week was Daniel and Adam creating a black hole of boredom as they discuss which one of them was the saddest. And not Dev's spreadsheets. No, that's how boring Daniel was. 
and that was Coronation Street and the Toggle Street this time last year. We were going through a phase of giving Daniel <laughs> boring moment of the week, week all the time. Every week. Yeah. Even some weeks when he wasn't in it. Right. No, we never did that. No. no. I, I, I jest. That would be unfair. Shall we dive in, my dear? Unfortunately, we may have to start doing that again. But yes, please. <laughs> we have an enormous amount of storylines to get through tonight. Ugh. Nine of them. Wow. Nine. Wow. Because we've got an extra episode. Yes. So our first storyline is Imran's TP for his bunghole. <laughs> <laughs> which I, I refuse to call it anything different. I don't, I, don't know even, I don't even remember why we started calling it that. Because he took a bung. Oh. And oh. then he suspected other people are taking right. a bung. Right. See, it's because bung is not what we would call that here. So. Right. There was, there was method behind it. Yeah. On Monday... Dirty stop out Imran is back on the street for one second before Nina and Gary descend on him talking appeals. He points out that there's no new evidence so it's unlikely. Nina points out that he's stinking the booze. Mm -hmm. Then Leanne appears him to tell him to get his arse to the hospital. This is all about Kelly the Chin. Yes. So Imran makes a mad dash to the hospital and Kelly the Chin is stable but Toya is distraught. Imran has let the two of them down. Where have you been? Yes. And he said he was sleeping at the the law office. Yeah, that he, he got plastered. At his desk and mm-hmm. just passed out. Whereas we suspect otherwise. Yes. He passed out somewhere else. Right. Imran can't believe that they didn't have Kelly on suicide watch. Toya starts to bitch about Sabine being on the champagne, but Imran wants justice, so borrows Toya's phone so he can shout at someone. Mm-hmm. And the people he seems to be shouting at are the receptionists at the <laughs> at the hospital. No, no, at the, oh, at the at the prison. At the prison, right. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to get anywhere with him. Toya has heard enough as the receptionist hangs up on him. Angry, Toya tells him that he's not helping and he needs to chill the fuck out. Be Fonzie. Be cool mm-hmm. and wear a leather jacket and say A all the time. Mm-hmm. Fix the jukebox. That Punching kind of it. thing. Yeah. Imran finally gets to see Kelly Chin, who is upset and desperate. Her life is over and she can't even kill herself, right? She says. Do we find out? What she did? Yeah. No. It's just, it's an interesting choice that they, I, and I think perhaps a good choice to not dwell on it and not talk about how she did it. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Yes. Toy arrives and together with Imran they attempt to buoy her, her spirits but to no avail. She's sad for Seb, feels bad for Nina but the person she feels sorry for the most is herself because she didn't hurt Seb. She tried to stop it. Right. I think that was quite interesting that she admitted that she feels most sorry for herself because yeah. of course she does. Yeah, of course she does. Yeah, it, it sounds selfish to admit it, but of, right. course, of course that's the it's situation. It's just very frank and honest. Mm-hmm. And you know what? She's not a kid known for having a filter, so right, right. par for the course. Toya promises that they'll get her through this. She'll be okay. She's fine, says Hope. <laughs> Back home, Imran is finally able to get his hands on his phone and he discovers that he has a voicemail from Kelly just before she tried to kill herself. And quite remarkably, Imran chooses to blame Toya for not picking it up. Right. Claiming that she could have stopped the suicide attempt. I'm sorry, Charlie, but fuck you, Imran. Right. Fuck you. That's the what sec- the fuck? He's been k- kind of unreasonable this whole throughout time. all this. Yeah. Through guilt, one would imagine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was like, wait a minute, because last week he was blaming Toya for... For snooping. To, no, he was blaming Toya for trying to get mm-hmm. Kelly's spirits Up. too high. Right. And now he's blaming her for not answering his phone. Right. That, it's like, if Kelly wanted to speak to Toya, Kelly would have called Toya. Mm-hmm. She wanted to speak to you and you left your phone here. Right. 
thankfully, after a hot minute, Imran apologises, but Toya thinks that he had a point. What? No. They choose to agree that they could have both done better. Fine. On, on Thursday, at home, Imran has arranged a psychologist to speak with Kelly using the last of the anonymous donation money that came from Gary, but he doesn't know that it came from Gary. Right, yes. Although it did have property of Gary Windass on the envelope. <laughs> Toya worries that this is because Imran blames himself. He says he's only sticking by her like he promised to do. Mm-hmm. So Imran goes to see Kelly the chin again and she just wants to forget everything that happened about trying to top herself. But no, she has to attend meetings now. People are insisting that she attends meetings. Mm-hmm. Imran insists that he and Toya care and haven't given up. But Kelly rushes off. She's, she's heard too much. Then she's chatting to a fellow inmate who had the same, uh, who felt the same way as she did, and had right. the same kind of urges as she did, but didn't actually go through with it. Right. And they insist that the group is really useful. Her name is Mia, so Kelly agrees to attend the group, and it seems to have been a fantastic success. Kelly quite enjoyed it. They just chat about things. Right. They don't, not, yeah. they don't have to talk about what happened. They just right. chat about things. Yes. And she and Mia seem to have forged a friendship. They chat about her conviction uh, for Moida and her innocence, and Mia believes her because. If you're in for murder, right, you don't deny it, right, unless you really didn't do it, right, because it gives you kind of street cred and it gives you some Carte kind blanche of to just take over the elevates prison. you, right. If you're a moiderer within the prison system, all right. So what do we think is wrong with this girl? I don't know. I thought it was curious that she was curious to know what Kelly did, well, but then didn't share what she'd done. Yeah, well, Kelly didn't ask. Yeah, and I thought that was curious that we didn't get to find out because perhaps the reason that she's in is tied in some way. Yes. Yeah. Maybe she has some evidence. Maybe mm-hmm. she knows where the bag is. I don't know. Who knows? It, it, it feels that these kind of random characters sometimes aren't random characters. Right. And they're sometimes on the periphery of the Coronation Street universe. And and then sometimes they're the Ralph Boner of the... Of the, um, the Ralph what? It's... A Marvel reference, okay. um, <laughs> a big old boner <laughs> of you know of the of the episode, and it's just it's a big old nothing burger, and they are just there to so the character can talk about their feelings right. and stuff. Right. So we'll see. At the moment, I think she knows something, or she is something in this whole story. Right. Yeah. On Friday at the furniture thing, Sharon turns up. Not that Sharon. No. The Shaza Sharon. Yes. The OG, well, not really the OG Sharon. No. But. But the G. Yes. Sharon employed <laughs> by the chin. Sharon of the chins. But not a chin. She's of the chins, though. Does that make, oh, does that work? I'm lost. What would you call your, your butler? Uh, Mr. Stevens, I think I'd call him. <laughs> and, uh. In, in reference to Sir Anthony Hopkins <laughs> in The Remains of the Day. A tremendous movie. You, sh- you should watch it. It's it, it even better book. It is an even better book. Yes. He writes really good books. He does. Have you read... Uh, <laughs> okay, Daniel. Have you read Macbeth? <laughs> Would you believe I've actually read Titus Andronicus? I think everyone has, haven't they? You read it in school. You don't read it in school here. You don't? No. no you read it in school. You, you do. You read Romeo and Juliet and Macbeth and maybe you, we Hamlet. Do. We did Macbeth and we did. Although Benny last year had to read um, All's Well That Ends Well. I don't imagine he got anything out of that. 
Remember, I made him watch the movie with Denzel Washington. I don't believe that helped. And then his teacher made him watch it. Yeah, he was really happy about that. <laughs> oh, Never Let Me Go. That's a really good book as well. Mm-hmm. And a good movie. Yes. So anyway, Sean turns up. The bouncer, Sharon, the heavy. Yes. She turns up to shout at Gary and the Kelly, about the Kelly the Chin situation. Gary was supposed to be looking out for her. Gary passes the blame on Amran, who describes as a smashing bloke. Sharon thinks Gary is as bad as Rick the Chin, and Gary kind of agrees. And she wishes that she'd grassed him up ages ago. Right, does this mean she's going to be grassing him up soon? I don't think she'd give him notice. It's, it's odd. It Does it feel a little odd that, that Sharon's just finding out about this whole thing now, when it's been going on for months? Sure. Or that Gary didn't call her and let her know? Well, Gary's not going to call her because Gary is quite happy to see the back of her because she knows too much. Right, but, but you but know, I, I don't Gary know was I... Gary was aware that Imran was desperate for people who knew Kelly to give her... You think she's a character reference? Well... <laughs> bouncer? She's better than her mother. <laughs> Marginally. Here's a thug to uh, provide a... We, we, could, we could get the, the, the gay the gay thug. What was the gay drug dealer guy? Is it Mick? Mick. Gay Mick. Get him to be a character witness as well for our Jeez. I liked Gay Mick. I loved Gay Mick. He gay was Mick, fantastic. Gay Mick and his husband and they were adopting a baby. It was nice. It mm-hmm. was delightful. His gun got where is, dumped on the red wreck. Where is Gay Mick? I want Gay Mick back. No, so anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when we Sharon, try to do the podcast at Sharon day. knows too much. Uh, Sharon was one would have been kept away but why is Kelly mm-hmm. choosing to call her now right yeah you'd think Kelly would have called her all the way through this yeah of, I don't know anyway so it's because we still had that other Sharon on the street that becomes confusing and it would have been confusing mm-hmm. yeah Marie and Gary are coming home from the chippy and she asks about the woman that he saw that she saw him with I wasn't snooping but Marie insists, uh, and this was Sharon, Marie insists that Gary let Imran and Toya deal with the Kelly situation and he needs to stay, steer well clear. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as we get with that this right. week. Because Maria is selfish. <laughs> right. I thought it was interesting that we didn't deal with the Imran situation really at all, other than he was out late. Yeah. I think that's going to come and bite him in the ass later, though. Y- you would think so. Yeah, you would hope so. As the show keeping its cards close to its chest here because I think so are, are we meant to think did he or didn't he mm. did he or didn't he I think he did I think he did as well mm. usually it they'll, was, they'll linger on the it was weird though that you know that him just kind of like walking back down the street and his clothes are all disheveled mm-hmm. and he's drunk still looking smashing though well smash a bowl <laughs> yeah Usually they have kind of some lingering expressions of remorse or concern mm-hmm. that we didn't really get because he was well. That's because too he had to jump immediately into Kelly tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. I thought it was interesting that it was Gary and Nina who were the first ones to see him on the street, and Nina's back to being all goth all the time, and I'm very happy about that. The only time we see her this week. Yeah, she's not really in it very much this week. No. Abby's not in it very much this week. Well, no, Abby's... Well, we'll get to that. The whole thing is... They kind of been given a bit of a rest, really. Mm-hmm. Even the Kelly scenes were few and far between. Yes. Which is fine. Yeah, we we had other stuff to talk about. And plus, <laughs> it's still really, really tender 
talking he, about what happened. Yes, I didn't. A couple of weeks ago, I, di- I didn't include in Corey News this week that there were like over a hundred Ofcom complaints about Corey oh, getting off. Jesus, people, you can not like something and not have to complain about it. Right. It's nice to complain about it, though. We complained about it on the podcast. Not everybody has a podcast. Not to anybody that's going to do anything about it. <laughs> not that the Ofcom are going to do anything about no, it. No, not really. What did they complain about? Like it was unfair? Right, and or it was unsatisfying. brutal and it was unseemly, like the whole wink thing. Our next storyline today is Abby on the outs. Yes. Just a few scenes here, but we start on Monday with Abby sleeping on the couch and Kev comes in and says, you didn't need to sleep on the couch. And he says that he loves her like it's meant to fix everything. But Abby, she's had enough. She meant what she said yesterday. It's done. It's all done. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I'm a little confused as yeah. to what she's talking about. Right. Yeah, me too. Because I don't remember. I remember her being angry. I don't remember her like insinuating that they were going to get a divorce. Well, they're not married. Oh, that's right. They aren't married because Seb died. We really need to do three months ago tonight <laughs> for your benefit, I think. It was it was unclear whether or not they actually got... It wasn't unclear that they didn't get married. No. It was Fine. fairly clear. Fine. But, um, yeah, the whole, the whole leaving thing. Mm-hmm. She was talking to Imran about taking drugs and she was talking about getting off with Sabine right and she was talking about nothing mattering right but I didn't really put that as an indication that she was going to leave Kev honestly I'm kind of glad that she has yeah because that was just not working out anymore but still and it still is not working out anymore because Kev is just he's Kev I'm I'm happy with and that's such a damning thing to say about someone but it is I'm happy with I'm happy with him being very Kev in another storyline but this, it's just, how does anybody have a relationship with that guy? He's awful. <laughs> well, beforehand, remember Sally when he was grumpy? Two children with him. Uh, he, was, he was a lot mellower back in the day. Was he? Up to a point. <laughs> yeah, he was he loved his family and all that sort of stuff. It was that Natalie Horrocks that ruined him for everyone. Damn you, Natalie Horrocks. Quite shirtless quite a few times. Yeah. Back in the day. Anyway, later Abby's packed and ready to move out. Kev wants to know where she's going, but Abby tells him to mind his own. She yeah. tells him he was nothing more than a free ride to her and she doesn't love him and she means Harsh. every single word of it. He tries to insist that he misses Seb too, but she can't do this and leaves. But we see she takes that minute. I kind of hated this moment because it's, it's it happens too often and it's overdone. Mm-hmm. Where the character's kind of walking out and they stop. And they look back. Or they don't look back, but you see their true emotion just... And then they continue to walk. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. This kind of happens, happens twice this week. Oh, does it? With a character leaving and oh. showing a different emotion <laughs> once they've walked away. Yes, it does. But she happens to do it in a first class lounge. Right. <laughs> so Sally visits Kev and he fills her in. But not like that. But not like that. Abby has dumped him and moved in with her cousin. She tells him that Abby loves him and Jack and it's a verdict that's screwing her up. She just needs some time on her own and she'll be back when she's ready, mm. says Sally. Sally does know Abby and she knows, as, as, as well as anybody does in the street. And she knows Kev. Mm-hmm. I do feel bad for Jack. Yeah. Jack and Abby had a good relationship. It's kind of like the whole did. like Summer and Paul thing. Mm-hmm. You know? It's quite disappointing. Right. It's the only reason why I stay married to you. For the kids' sake. For your kids' sake. Yes. 
<laughs> They'd be lost without you. Right. Well, funnily enough, it's the only reason I stay with you. <gasps> it's for the rest. <laughs> it's for the SpongeBob Squarecast. And their tax credits. <laughs> glad everyone knows we're kidding. I'm glad you know I'm kidding. Came for the green card, <laughs> stayed for the tax credits. Uh, and that's only half true. <laughs> so. <laughs> so there we have it. Abby's moved on. Apparently she said she was going to. She did. I'm, I'd like I said, I'm glad that she has. I don't want them to get back together. I, I think either. they will. Mm. I do think they will, but um, yeah. I don't think Kev really deserves her. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. I think around this, t- this is around the time when Sally Carmen had COVID really bad. This explains an awful lot of what's happened in uh, and, and previous weeks leading up to this when yeah. all of a sudden... You just hear door slamming and oh, that's Abby going out mm-hmm. and she's in a bad mood and stuff. And it seems to be Kev's talking to Sally an awful lot or Kev's talking mm-hmm. to somebody else and right. talking to Tyrone about his feelings or whatever that he right. probably wouldn't be doing yeah. because Abby's not there yeah. yet. So they've had to kind of get round about it quite a bit. Right. I think they've done fairly well, but I think it so does too. stand out a little bit. It's yeah. noticeable in some situations, mm-hmm. but yeah. Moving on then, this is a bit of a more sizable one. Uh-oh. This is the latest instalment of We Need to Talk About Hope. Yay! <laughs> well, kind of yay. Yeah, there's there's lots ha- to like about this. I'm happy about 95% about this, and I'm just rolling my eyes at 5% about this. Okay. Which is the 5% I'm imagining you are also rolling your eyes about. Yeah, I, I rolled my eyes quite a bit on this. <laughs> anyway, on Monday... At the flat, Alina's trying to talk to Tyrone about wedding flowers and getting the girls involved in the wedding, but Ty's busy texting Fizz. He mistypes it. He types hug fuzz or something, which right. his phone thankfully knows to translate to hi of his. Mm-hmm. Not a good sign. No. Right from the off. No. Alina has also booked a visit to the church in Romania where she's yeah. hoping to get married. Fucking great, says Ty. Yeah. Alina thinks Ty's concerned about leaving the girls behind and that's why he's in such a foul mood about this. Right. So Ty goes round to see Fizz and is shocked to find that she's been crying. She's upset because the parents have started a WhatsApp group to discuss ways of getting Hope excluded. Ty's upset that Fizz didn't contact him sooner about it. I don't know what WhatsApp is. I thought you had WhatsApp. I thought no. you guys used it at work. No, we use Snapchat. Oh. Is it Snapchat? We use something. It's not WhatsApp. I don't know what that is. WhatsApp is Chinese based, I believe. <laughs> but and it's some like social media thing that the kids use. Yeah. That the kids use. Yeah. Fizz gives Chez, David and Maria a piece of her mind about the WhatsApp group that apparently they're all members of. David basically tells her that if the roles were reversed, she'd be all over it, which was absolutely true. I'm glad that somebody stood up to her. Mm-hmm. It had to be David. Hope did set a house on fire, he says. Let, let's be honest about this. Inconsolable, uh. Fizz turns and runs straight into Phil, who's appeared out of nowhere. Yes. Yay, Phil's back. I'm, I, I have to say, I'm, I'm 100% over these Karens in this WhatsApp group who are trying to get Hope kicked out of school it's not like she's going to light the school on fire and she's a little young for and she's not in the right country for for a shooting spree 
So I think I think she's fine. You look at Hope and you think she's incapable of those things? At the moment, yes. Hmm. Interesting. So at home, Phil has heard about the Hope situation somehow. Yeah, his niece. His his he found out through his niece. He's part of this WhatsApp group. Fizz <laughs> thinks everyone thinks that Hope is some kind of monster. She's the only one in her corner. Phil is very understanding, which Fizz appreciates, and he asks her out for dinner, and with Evelyn's encouragement, she agrees. I just love Evelyn this week. Yeah, Don't she's you? brilliant. Yeah. She's so good. Meanwhile, she's so outs- good. outside, Ty is berating David for signing up to that group when he sees Phil hanging around outside waiting for Fizz. Well, David assumes that Ty already knows, and he's like, no hard feelings, man. I just don't want your psycho daughter around my kids. (laughs) What's wrong with David this week? (laughs) He never changes his clothes this week. That's part of the problem. Yeah, he's always in his little barber's t-shirt. With a a hooded sweatshirt tied around his waist, which just makes his waist look even tinier. From the 1980s. Jealous Tyrone goes to see Evelyn to get the skinny on Fizz and Phil and Evelyn bluntly tells him this is none of his business. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Ty. And if he sabotages the relationship, you'll find his newts in a pie and then she throws him out of his own house. (laughs) I love that. But despite Evelyn's warning, Tyrone goes to the bistro and interrupts Fizz's dinner. Phil goes off for a shite. He really does. Mm -hmm. And she tells him to leave. Ty, that is. She's had enough. She's ready to move away and take the kids with her. He tells her that he misses her and he can't live without her. But Fizz quick, quickly points out that he's engaged to Alina. Mm-hmm. Ty explains that that was an accident, and he knows it's <laughs> pathetic. She tells him that she's not pining for him anymore, yeah. and he needs to go back to his accidental fiancé. Yes. So Ty meets up with Alina in the pub. She thinks he's in a bad mood because of Fizz. Yeah. And he says that this trip to Romina couldn't have come at a worse time now that Fizz is talking about moving away. Meanwhile, he accuses Alina of planning all this without telling him. He Which needs to be true. here for the girls. She did. She did spring this on him. Well, that tends to be how surprise holidays work, isn't it? Yeah, but who who schedules a surprise holiday when your partner's daughter just tried to set things on fire and is now in counselling for it? Who thinks that's a good idea? Is there a better time to leave the country? (laughs) (laughs) Under the watchful eye of Tyrone, Fizz and Phil walk home and arrange a date for tomorrow. They're going to go out for something to eat. He's thrilled. Tyrone Mm -hmm. is spitting feathers. And when he gets home, a cheery Alina tells him that she's cancelled the trip. She should have checked with him first and she'll try to keep him and Hope and Ruby in mind in future. She admits to feeling jealous about Ty's connection to Fizz and is worried that she'll lose him. Ty says nothing and focuses on taking his shoes off. <laughs> so Ty goes to the shop and opens his heart to Evelyn. Alina has been too kind to him today. He, does, he doesn't deserve it and he made a mistake leaving. Evelyn tells him in no uncertain terms that Fizz has moved on, he's made his bed and in her opinion, he doesn't deserve either of them. And Fizz... <laughs> Good job, Evelyn. And Ty goes in tears pretty much to leave, yeah. leave the shop and Evelyn realises that she's been, you know, she's related to this, this kid. Right. He's not this a kid. kid. Right. He's a grown so she, man who's made tries, a very bad mistake. She tries to soften it a little bit, but the the theme of what she said is absolutely true. It is. Fizz has moved on. Yeah. Fizz is ha- with somebody that makes her happy now. Right. And Tyrone you throughout this, this week, Tyrone. Tyrone just walks into zingers. Yeah. Because anytime he accuses Fizz of doing something, people are quick to remind him 
he's the one that cheated on Fizz. Right. He's the one that left Fizz. Right. He's the one that's that's generated all of this. Right. And he has to kind of shuffle and look down at the ground and mm. stuff as he does. Mm-hmm. Because it's true and he can't escape it. No. And he continually tries to. Not even wearing his MSU shirt again would make us feel sympathetic for him. Too little, too late. Too little, too late. On Wednesday, Hope is trying to plug school despite dancing her little shoes off in the morning. Right, yeah. Fizz tells her things will take time to get back to normal, but they will. Yes. Fuck that, says Hope. And Fizz threatens to call Tyrone, but Hope remains unimpressed and runs upstairs. So Ty and Alina come round. Ty stomps upstairs to get Hope while Alina explains her thoughts on parenting to a disinterested Fizz. Right, yeah, it's like things are going to change. This is, and Tyrone's not going to stand for this and he's going to drag her out by her hair, blah, 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 blah. But Hope still refuses to budge, so Lena goes off to try and Hope throws her dead body down the stairs. <laughs> she doesn't. Pick so- the child up, put her in the car, drive to the school, pick her up, put her in the office, say, there you go, here she is, Deal and leave. But- She's still small enough to be able to do that. Yeah. So Lena has coaxed Hope to Roy's roles with Tyrone, and she asks <laughs> her to be a flower girl at the wedding, but Hope tells her that she can shove it up her arse. Right, right. Up, her arse. up her arse. She stole her daddy. And she hates her. And Tyrone, for the first time, is outraged and furious and shouts that he's had enough of this pish. And here you are, you set fire at her house and you, and here you are, in Roy's rolls, eating a cream cake and having mm-hmm. a cup of tea. I've had enough. This is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And he storms out and Hope really looks like she's terrified and remorseful and on the verge of tears right. all at once. Yes. Quite incredible yes. facial expression Absolutely. from Isabella Flanagan there. Such a good little actress. It really caught the back of my throat when she yeah. done that because that's that kind of shock that you get when you're not expecting your parent to do right. that. She has done so well through this whole storyline. This cannot be easy. No. Kind of makes it look easy. Yeah. It's the biggest compliment I can pay. Absolutely. Where's 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 her award? Where's where's her getting lifted up to the to the podium <laughs> next year to speak? Oh well, she's not a newcomer. See, this no, is a, yeah, this is a problem. Not taking anything away from young Jude. No, no, of course not. But he's not the only quality child actor that's on the show right, right now. Isabella is number one. I don't really count the teenagers quite so much because they're yeah almost adults. Some of them are actually adults in real life so somehow hope has agreed to go back to the scene of the crime and seems to be doing schoolwork remotely enjoying a k-pop conversation with alina yes she admits to taking the baby's toy and ripping the head of it not like that and she apologizes and seems to mean it right alina despite being shocked is gracious and accepts apology but tyrone is on the verge of turning into the hulk and so he leaves back at fizzy's alina's quite proud of her mothering to fizzy's disgust and then mm. hope apologizes again for the fire and for all the other fires she didn't right. mean it and this is news to alina and she sees right through fizz who tries to cover up yeah. this information changes everything back at the flat alina tells tyrone what she just learned that hope has a history of setting fires and no one thought to tell her <laughs> she's put her everything into this relationship white while ty tells her as little as he can get away with and none of it is true. No. Well, that's spot on. Right. She has, I mean, we can fault her, and we have. Yes. That she's kind of become a different Alina. Right. To the one that was uh, in the nail salon, salon. And, and trafficked and all that. And even 
with Seb and Emma and all right. that sort of stuff. She's a different Alina to that Alina. But what she says is true. She has put her everything into this relationship, whether yeah. you appreciate it or not. Right. Everything that's up on the wall, which is hideous, mm-hmm. was Alina's idea. Yeah. She's the one that's wanting to go to Romania. Mm-hmm. She's got, I guess it was her idea for the tattoos. Mm-hmm. She's tried a little too hard. That's, I think, part of the problem. I think you're probably if you right. You have to try that hard. But she has put everything into it. Yeah. And when she says that Tyrone gives as little as he can get away with. Right. Recently, that's certainly true. Very At the true. start, At not the, so much. Right. And he seems to want to think that he's the one who's made all the big sacrifices in this relationship because he gave up Fizz and the girls and and everything. Right. Like, look at all of the stuff that I've given up for you is kind of what he's trying to say to Alina all the way through this relationship mm-hmm. without really thinking about things that Alina may have given up. Right. Like, like being with someone her own age. And her, her friends, really. Party. And yeah. suddenly being talked about. Yeah. And being the scarlet woman. And, right. And that's not something that sat well with her. No. Although it should not have been a surprise to her that that was going to happen. But no. anyway. Alina isn't sure that they have a future. What else has he not told her? So Ty admits to having a winch off of his the other week. She asks if he wants to go back to her. He says it's not that straightforward. I can't believe that she's asking him that. She asks if he ever loved her. Meanwhile, Phil turns up and catches Fizz by surprise. All the man does is eat, and he suggests going for a Chinese now. Mm-hmm. Fizz isn't ready, but Phil is Some unperturbed. lovely carrot dumplings. So tells her to stick the kettle. I've never had carrot dumplings. I don't think I, I, don't think I like the sound of them. I don't know if, if it's possible to make a dumpling sound unappealing, but putting a carrot in it does. Uh, I can imagine carrots. Well, I'm a I, I rabbit. Would, I would imagine that there's more than just carrot in it. There'd be more like a spring roll, because there are carrots and so. spring rolls. Emma gets home to find Alina in tears. She explains Ty's dalliance and then shocker of shockers. She explains that she's pregnant. Again. How long has it been since she had that? I don't, I don't know if it's been a month. It hasn't even been a month since she had that miscarriage. Miscarriage, And she hasn't really seemed like she's been in the mood for anything. And they tend to tell you after things like that, not, not to have intercourse for a wee while. So... I can't imagine that she's had an opportunity to get pregnant. And even if she was pregnant, she wouldn't know yet. She wouldn't have, she wouldn't have even had time to skip a period yet. I'm really confused by the dates here. Yeah, I think, so am I. I think you're, you're basically told you can start trying immediately. That's what I was told. You can start immediately. Whether you're going to be successful or not remains to be And whether or not you want to. Right. You know, because you're but still mourning, think, you're still grieving. I don't think that they've had any time where they've been, where they've looked like they've been even remotely intimate no. with each other. Because they haven't really been getting on for, no. for quite some time. No, and for a while Ty was sleeping on the couch over at Fizz's. Right. And he was sleeping on the couch at Alina and Emma's. If Alina is ever left in the same room as Steve, just population explosion on Weatherfield. She must be. She must be the the woman that the the girlfriend that need, that uh, Nicki Minaj was talking about just got pregnant from a hot tub. Nicki Minaj has some strange views about things. Yes, 
especially medical stuff. She has no idea what she's going to do. This is Lena, not Nicki Minaj. The fuck was that? I don't know, but it was from one of your electronics. It looks. It sounded like something just turned on. It sounded like your laptop. Where's your laptop? Over oh, it's there. Way over there. Over a cuppa. Fizz admits to Phil that she wants Ty after being so quick to condemn Melina, but kissing him has made her realise that she doesn't want Ty. Poor Ty, he's such a bad kisser. Phil is chuffed by this. Yes. Meanwhile, Alina has written liar on that awful fucking picture and left it against the car oh, at the garage. Oh, thank God. So that's something at least. We can yes, all enjoy we that, we can all right? enjoy that and say, yay, that thing is gone. Ty gets to the flat and Alina has moved out. He speaks to Emma and hopes Alina will forgive him. What are you going to do about the baby? Asks Emma. Baby? What baby? Baby? This baby? <laughs> it's sleeping. No, we can't do that again. So he rushes out and he finds Elena about to jump into a taxi. This changes everything, he says. This baby, this baby will have nothing to do with you, says Elena. I'm the father, <laughs> exactly he says. that voice. I'm the, fa- I'm the father, he says. Says who? But she confirms it is his, but he will get nowhere near this baby after the <laughs> fucking disaster that he's made with his other two kids, she says. She jumps in the taxi. Romania, driver, go. And she drives <laughs> off just as a very cheery Fizz and Phil wander back on their way home <laughs> to the bistro. Ah, oh, babies. Wh- which brings us to this week's hard debate. Does that have something to do with dumplings? Pregnant and heartbroken, Alina has left Tyrone and Weatherfield to go back to Romania. But what action should Carla take against her for leaving her telesales job without working her notice? <laughs> These are becoming ridiculous. You know that, right? Becoming? <laughs> Options are, meh, just let her go. Ask her to work a week. Seize her wages. Or sue her to hell and back. I'm, I'm all for meh, because that seems like a Carla thing to do would be meh. Well, remember how Carla was with uh, Izzy. Right. But Izzy actually she, did... Where she briefly looked like she was a hard-nosed boss. Izzy actually did work. Yeah, what did Alina do? This was Christy's She sat point. around making tea. Christy was like, just let her go. She doesn't do anything anyway. No. The voting was thus. Ask her to work a week, 4.7%. <laughs> Cease her wages, 7%. Sue her to hell and back, 16.3%, which means meh, just let her go, was a resounding winner, 72.1%. Yes. I think that's probably the most sensible thing. Yes. But it bugs me when people just leave jobs without telling anybody. Right. Well, you also never see these people in the bathroom, or very rarely. So. Phil went for a shite. Yeah, I know, but you didn't see him. Yeah, but he said he was going to do it. Yeah, but he could say anything. I believe him. I believe him. On Thursday, Tyrone is desperately calling Alina, but Emma tells him to just leave her alone. She's been through enough. He points out that he can't just fly to Romania to find her because he doesn't know where, which village that she's from, which makes Emma make a face. Seriously, you've been in this relationship all this time and you never asked her what village she's from? She showed you these pictures and I'm sure she said the name of the village while she was showing those pictures mm-hmm. and talking about that church. It's a difficult language with difficult names. I can see, I can see his dilemma. <laughs> Don't make the Emma face at me. No wonder she left, says Emma. Seriously? Yeah. Emma's really good this week. I, I also like it. At every point, Tyrone is just proving himself to be what, what an appalling partner. When even Emma is bagging on you, you know you're a bad person. Right. 
So Evelyn meets up with Ty in Roy's Rolls. She mentions that Fizz is out with Phil again, going to the bistro. Ty is miserable and tells her about Alina being pregnant. Evelyn doesn't know that he can let her walk away with his kid, so she goes off to torture Emma to sort this shit out. Right, and she kind of equates it with, with herself that, you yeah. know, she let her daughter just walk away. And, and it, I guess you pick your battles, but I kind of like how she stands up for Ty when she needs to. Right. She can call him the biggest asshole under yes. the sun one minute. Yes. And stand in his corner the next minute. Right. That's a, a good trait to have in yes. your grandmother. Yes. <laughs> Evelyn speaks to Emma in the Rovers and disabuses her if she thinks that she's helping Alina or Tyrone or the baby by keeping the secret. And she refuses to budge until she gets the info. She can be annoying if she tries. I don't think Emma would disagree with that. And we don't see it, unfortunately, but Emma seems to spill that Alina's staying at the Chariot Square Hotel, would you believe, before flying mm. out tonight. She grabs Tyrone and urges haste. So now no one is working at the garage. <laughs> With Tyrone rushing off, Evelyn brings Fizz up to speed. No offence, but Fizz hopes Ty doesn't get to lean in time. Evelyn doesn't mention the complication to matters right. of the baby. Well, yeah, because Fizz kind of cuts her off. She's like, first of all, I really hope he doesn't catch her. Second of all, I really just don't fucking care anymore. Mm-hmm. Which Not is a, my business. Which I think is a good uh, approach to have from Fizz. When she Absolutely. said that I don't yearn for you anymore. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. That says it all. It really does. So Tyrone gets to the hotel just as Alina is leaving. He admits she's better off without him, but he can't turn his back on their baby. No <laughs> chance, says Alina. There was no baby. She got her <laughs> dates wrong, so now you can fuck off with a clean conscience. Right. And we and, and this is when we think, oh. Well, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's all over, she says. Now you can go back to fees. You shouldn't have left her in the first place. In a way, she doesn't think that he ever did. No. I cared about you, he says. Not how I cared about you, she says. Yeah. Now go home. Yeah. You cared about getting some, a young, fresh piece, Tyrone, and that's about it. Yeah, I cared about you. It's like, I, I cared about chocolate mousse. Right. So? There's no, I love you. No. I loved you. No. I want to be with you. I cared about you. Yeah. Ty is back at the garage explaining his moans to Kev, and now he's determined to get fees back. This Phil prick means nothing to her. Kev thinks this is bonkers, but Ty needs his family back and he goes off to wait at home for Fizz. <laughs> so Fizz and Phil are at the bistro yet again. Fizz still upset about the WhatsApp group and the other parents. It's tough work parenting on your own, says Fizz, who thinks Tyrone might be halfway to R- Romania by now proposing with duty-free Toblerone. Mm-hmm. She asks if Phil would be interested in getting his hole. Garçon, shouts Phil. <laughs> the bill. <laughs> Meanwhile, Tyrone has set up a romantic table in the living room at home while he hears Fizz and Phil come in and then he hides under the table. Right, Because yeah. of course he does. Because he couldn't get the door open in the back. He oh, tries he? the door and it's locked. And instead of unlocking it, because I'm he, sure he still has a key. He hides under the table. He hides under the table. Fizz assumes that Evelyn set this up. Uh-huh. Fuck dinner, says Phil. Let's get our hole. So Tyrone has to remain hidden and listen to it all. Fizz wants some tunes. So Fizz starts taking the pish out of Ty's taste in music, claiming that his favourite track was Reach for the Stars by Steps, and this is enough for Ty to send a table flying. Enough, he shouts. It was S Club 7. So Phil goes off for replacement wine. The, yeah, the, the smooching is kind of hilarious too, because you just see their, their, their feet, feet 
together and you hear like noises. And then that... don't you see like a foot crossed over with another foot? Which, oh, they're very close now. Mm. Lovely, lovely done. And Tyrone's expression was hilarious. Yes. Very, very well done. <gasps> Under oh! the table. So Phil goes off for some replacement wine. Fizz realises it was Ty who set the table up. He explains that he wants her back and she points out that this morning he was running, running after Alina, which forces him to explain the stupid pregnancy thing. She tells him to bolt. She wants nothing to do with him. So Evelyn turns up to the flat and now Tyrone being in the flat on his own is just weird. It is. And now Evelyn turning up to that flat to see him is even weirder. Yes. Yeah, mm. it's kind of weird to think of Tyrone and Emma being roommates. With Curtis, who may or may not be dead. <laughs> so Evelyn turns up to make a fool out of Tyrone, who is now Emma's flatmate. Maybe get a better plan than leaping out of a table, she says. Give her some distance, and she learns that Alina isn't pregnant and thinks it's for the best. And she goes off to put the kettle on because nobody else is going to. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the first class lounge at the airport, Alina is sitting, avoiding alcohol and rubbing her tummy as her flight back to Romania is called. Yes. The, the, the waiter says, but could I interest you in the wine list, ma'am? Mm-hmm. And she says, no, thank you. I'd like a tomato juice. Mm-hmm. And rubs her belly. Maybe she's had a curry. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's what I do when I have a curry. I rub my belly. I, I lie on mine and pray for death. <laughs> As do I. Try to lie next to you. <laughs> on Friday. Yeah, good luck with that. On Friday, Phil shows up at the garage with his Merc looking for a service. He checks to make sure everything is hunky door with Tyrone. And then he seems to make friends with Kev when talking about Weather County. Mm-hmm. Ty isn't impressed when it looks like Phil has access to some corporate box seats. Ooh. So Ty is checking Phil's logbook and it is impeccable. A thing of beauty even Ty has to admit. He's not missed a single service and all the stamps are put in like mm-hmm. they've been put in with a set square. No wonder Fizz is smitten, says Kev. And then he and a passing Gary take the piss out of Tyrone about the under the table thing. Right. The fix on Phil's motor was nice and easy, something a child could have done according to Tyrone and quite pleased that Phil isn't perfect after all. Fizz asks Ty to take care of the girls tonight. Phil is taking her out for dinner. Again. Right, but you gotta eat every day. She then reveals that she's there for him to go to Hope's therapist. She's there to pick him up, basically, because he's wondering, well, why are you here? here? Which Ty has completely forgotten about. Phil's car's ready, and as Ty's clearing up, he finds a napkin in the door with a woman's name and numbers scribbled on it. Mm -hmm. Bridget. Ty thinks this is proof that Phil is a player. Kev doesn't think it's (laughs) anything of the sort, but Ty is determined to tell Fizz. It's just a phone number and a name. Right. Hidden in plain sight. Right. So Ty goes round to the house. Fizz is looking like Merida from Brave ahead of her date with Phil. Right. And Tyrone thinks that she, she said did. Medusa. <laughs> she it's not nice to say your mummy has snakes for hair. And Hope seems to turn the little corner here because Hope is genuinely quite pleasant and lovely too. Yes. Fizz, you look well, beautiful, mummy. Let's remember, she was, after she got that whole telling Alina how much she hates her out of her system Mm -hmm. they were working on her schoolwork and listening to K-pop and she gave her the headless teddy bear and apologized for all the fires so it seems like that was kind of the point where she was starting to turn around it it was when somebody showed her kindness instead of shouting at her and when somebody shouted at her because when Ty shouted at her that seemed to have an effect as well yeah Yeah, don't be three months ago tonight me and on this (laughs) Ty decides to question Fizz and Phil's relationship, so Fizz takes him to one side. Don't be telling me what to do in front of Hope. 
leave me to my business. So Ty asks about Bridget and then acts all superior and uppity. And outside, Ty's still going on about Bridget and challenges Phil directly when he shows up. It turns out it's not Bridget, it's Brigitte, who's the chef who's making their tasting menu at the uh, bandstand at the right. Red Wreck. yeah. Tyrone quickly goes indoors. I was going to say, it's, it. it was spelled more like Brigitte. Right. With There, there were no Ds. Yeah, there's lots of Ts in it. Lots of Ts. Kev has come over to the house to have some tins with Tyrone while he looks after his daughters. Ty wants to watch the county game in the pub tomorrow, but it turns out that Kev has agreed to Phil's offer and will be going to the corporate box after all. Judas! Screams Tyrone. And that's as far as we get with that this week. And Kev says, look, Abby just left me. Do you know... I need need a pick-me-up. Kev has given the opportunity to speak about Abby several times during this uh, episode. And he and does talk about her a little bit with Tyrone there towards very, the end. Very, little bit. Then and he in says, fact, he gives Tyrone a hard time saying, you know, all you do is talk about your problems, but what about my problems? What about Abby leaving me? But then he's, he seems very quick to, no, it doesn't matter. Let's talk about something mm-hmm. else. Yeah. I like how Phil is so likable that he's making friends with everybody while Tyrone thinks he's the biggest bastard. Right. It kind of makes me worry that we're going to find out that he is the biggest bastard, but I really hope not because I really like Phil. I, like Phil as I well. liked Phil before. Even though he spells his name with two L's. It reminds me of uh, of Muppets Take Manhattan. Remember when Kermit had um, amnesia and he goes to work at that ad agency where it's, it's Phil. He, he says his name is Phil and he spells it with two L's because he's looking at a gas, a gas pump ad poster it's phil and lil and bill and gill and they rhyme all the time and they say hmm <laughs> why are you looking at me like that like you've never seen muppets take manhattan just wondering how long you were going to talk about the muppets for longer than i thought i will always sit and talk about the muppets alina is out of the show now yes she had a leaving due. She won't be back immediately. I don't think the, the the door is certainly open for her making a return at some point. Right, yeah. And Ten years later when she shows up with her with her kid and said, Oh sorry, Ty, you had a you had a child after all. Right. It'll be like Nick and Sam all over again. The last time we were uh, talking about this on the Twitter and the last time this happened seemed to be when Sam left when she was pregnant with Desi's baby, but you weren't sure if she was pregnant or not. And then some months later, Des died and nobody cares anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is the right... I think it's right that she's out of it. Yeah. Because... I don't like the whole pregnancy thing. I think that's thing was bad, ridiculous. But I think we were of the opinion that she probably shouldn't have come back in the first place. Right. Yes. Yes. And th- that's that's exactly right. We were like, why did she come back? You know, and it was supposedly because they had, they didn't have enough young women on the show. Right. Because no offence to uh, the actress and no offence to the character, but Mm -hmm. that character story was done. Yeah. And when they brought her back, they tried to shoehorn her into another, into some other storylines. And, you know, the person that we knew from before kind of got muddied. Right. Because they were trying to shoehorn her into things that she didn't quite fit in if she was still the character she was before. She was going to have that pop-up shop. Mm-hmm. Hilarious. Uh, 
with a nail thing right. that would have put her in the salon, that would right. put her in one of the hubs of activity f- for the, right. the female characters. But and then COVID. that's not a thing anymore. Right. So, so yeah, so she was kind of left in the lurch a little bit. They mm-hmm. put her in the, the factory without really having much going on in the factory no. either, let alone right, because COVID. the telesales. But so right. whenever we saw her, she was... She's kind of walking around with a teacup. Overhearing things. Right. And sometimes talking to Michael and... It was all very much a big nothing burger, really. And then the whole uh, Tyrone story kind of starts up and we were thinking, well, you know, she's, she's she goes to the house and or is something going to happen mm-hmm. here? Surely not, then something does happen. And then... And then it seemed like it was waning and then all of a sudden she's pregnant. Right. And all it's really ended up being now is a catalyst to sp- split Tyrone and Fizzup. So I thought maybe it was going to be a catalyst for the hope right. side of it, and maybe maybe it still is. Right. But at the moment, it did the get only hope she's into had. actual therapy that is maybe going to help her. Right. So that's good. You know who Alan Halswell should play in a movie or something. You know he. You know who he would. He would do well to play. Who? George W. George W. Bush. George W. Bush. Yeah. W. You think? He looks like W. They have the same chin. He looks like a 55-year-old man. He looks like the younger W. I was watching that uh, 9-11 documentary series on Netflix last night with Nick. And I was thinking, ah, oh, young W kind of looks like Alan Halsall. You should hmm. play him in a made-for-TV movie about 9-11. I think that makes you his agent. And you get, get 10% if that goes through. Get him some, some awards for playing an American president. How many British people have played American presidents? I can't think of any. I can't be bothered thinking. <laughs> I'd much rather move on to the next storyline. Yes, let's do that. Although we uh, have do we... have an American now playing a princess. Oh dear. And on that note, let's, let's definitely move on to the <laughs> PC racism story. On Monday. Which is very brief, but good. Aggie's on the Vogel. Vogel's back. Yeah. And the street tweeted me to say, does it ever go away? Mm-hmm. To which I said, let me Vogel that for you. <laughs> it seems don't we own Vogel? We do. We own Vogel.co.uk. I don't know if they know that. <laughs> so, shh. Don't tell anybody that if you type in Vogel.co.uk, you go to our site. It's it's legal for us to buy a website, Gav. It's okay. Yeah, yeah but I, I don't want to upset anybody it's now. It's not going to upset anybody. It seems legal. Grace is after a breakfast island in the house and... Aggie is not happy about this. Okay, see, I was really confused because she closes it really quick and she's talking about her wanting an island. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she wants you to buy her an actual island? She How wants, much money does she think you guys have? She wants Skull Island. <laughs> Meanwhile, James is off for a final scan in his knee thing that was such a big deal a few weeks ago. He gets back and he's had no joy from his specialist. Worried that he'll never play football again, he heads off to shout at the police about the complaint instead. Craig's in his civvies on the other side of the street and he shits a brick when he hears this. Michael meets James in the bistro with some good news. For some reason, Craig has decided to tell Michael <laughs> that he's prepared to go and ask to be interviewed again. Right, yes. That the the reassessment is back on and, and Craig is going to go back and give more testimony. Right. 
On Wednesday, outside the cop shop, Craig meets uh, PC Jess and he explains to her about him being re-interviewed and how he didn't tell the full story the first time. PC Jess thinks he's a fucking muppet and right. Craig is excited to put the record straight, which is a typical politician answer. Right, and a typical white guy answer. Let's right. be honest. You know, he he's he's telling his, his black female, you know, colleague... It's the curry. Uh, was that you farting? Was it? No, it was my phone. Oh. That sounded like one of yours. Oi! It smells of one of yours as well. You know, oh, well, I'm going to go back in and I'm going to, you know, I really should have done this in the first place, but I really didn't want so-and-so to get lost of his job. And he does, he seems like... Even from her, he's kind of expecting praise and that he's being so very brave for Did going back in. Did you notice how he was delivering this? He was leaning against the wall with his foot up against it. Uh-huh. With one foot pressed up against the wall. Yeah. He might as well have had his leather jacket over his shoulder and a right. cigarette hanging from his way. Or, or a cocktail stick like in the a, corner of his a mouth. cigarette pack wrapped up in his sleeve of right. his white t-shirt. Yeah. So he was... <laughs> Thinking he was playing it really cool, I think, is, is how that... Right, and she quickly disabuses him of this. Absolutely. So, Craig is getting interviewed and explains that James wasn't driving erratically and neither was James nor Michael being aggressive when PC racism uh, arrested them. And also, once again, he's speaking to a black <laughs> police officer. Interesting, says the police officer. Yes. Outside, Craig confirms to PC Jess that he's finally did the right thing. <sighs> Slow clap. He's doing so, his, and, and PC Jess is doing the Nancy Pelosi clap. <laughs> so he goes on to tell James the same at the community garden. You after a fucking medal prick, asks James. And he <laughs> I leaves love that. Craig to wave an empty cup of coffee about and love go, it. Well, what am I meant to do? Right. There's no pleasing some people. Right. Yeah. So Craig is so upset by his institutional racism that he goes for a pint and tells Kirk that he's done being a passenger and from now on he's going to be a full-on racist <laughs> and he's going to be unapologetic about it. So, No, he's not going to be a full-on racist. Was, wasn't that what he agreed to do? No. I thought that, did I misunderstand that? No, he's going to be a full-on teller of truth Oh, and, and be honest from now on and not be cowed by other people. And their racism, yeah. apparently. That's Craig all over. Because, because he actually talked to some some black people about this. Do you know? Instead I've, of just the one white racist guy. I've talked to three black people today, and it's really <laughs> opened my eyes. Says Craig. <laughs> I'm glad that we haven't that forgotten he ex- about this. He explains about passive racism and passive unconscious biases. Uh, unconscious, he calls it. yes. He, he Careful explains, not to use the R word. He 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 yeah uh, he he's explaining unconscious bias to Kirk. <laughs> it's Steve explaining to Tim about unconscious bias all over again from last month. Right. Uh, only Craig doesn't have a black daughter to use as an example. Yeah. Not yet. Anyway, the odds are not looking in his favor either. I was glad that this was brought up, and I'm glad that they're. I'm glad that. You know, I wanted something like this where Craig was seen to be kind of the, while not the agitator, he certainly wasn't somebody who was making the situation any better. No, and and he was called out for kind of being a bad guy here. Mm-hmm. 
which really took him aback. He didn't realize he was a bad guy. No. He was, what's his name, saying, are we the baddies in that sketch about the Nazis? Oh, uh, David Mitchell. Yes. Are we the baddies? We've got skulls on our caps. Are we the baddies? <laughs> it can't possibly be good. One of my favorite gifts to, to use. Yeah. Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? Do baddies know that they're the baddies? I think some of them some do. Some of them do. But yeah, having Craig take so long yeah. to do something about this, because this happened weeks ago. Yeah. Weeks ago. Yeah. And it was car. weeks ago that, you know, he heard that guy say, oh, I'm so glad. Th- thanks, mate, so much, because you know how them lot are. Right. That they happened weeks ago. They make ago. a mountain out of Mohalat was basically a few days later. So. Right, yeah. Well, I guess he had to wait until they reopened the investigation because right. James protested. But here's the thing. We've, we've got Craig, who's been kind of a kind of a baddie racist here. Mm-hmm. And his, his come to Jesus moment when he's realised the error of his ways and he's done something about it mm-hmm. hasn't brought instant redemption. No. And... That pleases me. Yes, because this is this is what happened. This is more akin to what happened. And right? also, nobody is patting him on the back, no matter how hard he tries to get people to pat him on the back. Right. Maybe maybe next month he'll realize I'm why really that's glad. happening. Right. I'm really glad. I'm sad that this means that James and Craig will never date. But you know, I can't have everything I want. You can't. You can, however, have the summer of '69 storyline. <laughs> yes, please. No, this was this was. Can we just talk about this maybe three or four more times and then we can be done? <laughs> on Monday, <sighs> Summer is visiting Addy. She says, cheerio to Dev on her way out, but Dev has his nose in his phone and he basically just shuts the door on her without looking up. Mm. Addy is angry that Dev shows no interest in his life and just wants him for slave labour. And he's going to regret airing that opinion. Absolutely he is. In about 12 hours time. Yes. So in the shop, Dev insists that... It's not wrong, though, that, you know, Asha gets most of Dev's attention. Right. Addy's left just to be the good kid who gets his work done and all that sort of stuff. And happy to help out and happy to do this pseudo-management position and all that Let's not forget, though, he did steal a bottle of vodka that one time. Yeah. That was ages ago. Yeah. In the shop, Dev insists he is interested in Addy in summer. All right, then, what's her last name? (laughs) Knights, says Dev. He's enjoying this. Then Breeze... Then off of 69. 69. <laughs> Where's my lesbian film night? Demands Addy. <laughs> Do you want a lesbian film night? Says Dev. He leaves and Dev calls Billy to invite him and Summer round for tea. So when Abby and Summer get back to Dev's, they're shocked to find that Dev and Billy already there and they're already well into the vino. Yeah, it's, a little too well into the vino. What it, were they thinking? It's dinner party time. Dev wants to know Miss Spellman better and it becomes clear that Dev and Billy are totally pished. They really are. It's like, wh- what were they thinking? After a let's, fr- let's open a few bottles while we wait for the kids, shall we? After a friendly game of Desert Island dinner party, Dev decides to talk to Addy and Summer about safe sex and Addy's urges. Addy asks Dev and Billy to play a new game and count to 100, which they do. And while they have their eyes closed, he and Summer sneak Escape. out. Escape. That was hilarious. Billy's shirt goes from being tucked in to having half of it untucked and when he shuts his eyes he starts to sway and looks like he's going to fall over but he doesn't <laughs> and Dev Dev drunk is essentially regular regular day Dev just tuned just up turned up maybe bit. like 25% right yeah but they both do drunk really really well 
And the two of them together, this is a friendship that I can get 100% behind. Yeah, because you never see the two of them together. No, they're great. No, it's... Once again, you know, well, last week we said that Todd is much more appealing when he's not around Billy. Billy is much more appealing when he's single. Right. And not around anybody. (laughs) Yeah. They were very cringy, though. Oh, just awful parents. Uh, Yeah. But the next day, Billy's in Roy's Rose of Summer, nursing a hangover from hell. He's the Archdeacon of Weatherfield, let's remember. Mm -hmm. Summer tells him he's grounded and banned from seeing Dev ever again, (laughs) and he thinks that she's joking. Then Addy and Summer meet up in Roy's Rolls. Addy says Dev is also hungover to fuck, but has agreed to buy them a meal to apologise. So they go to the bistro and have something to eat, and they agree that they fancy each other, but neither of them want to get their holes off of each other just yet. Well, Summer doesn't want to get her hole off of Addy. And Addy seems quite happy yet. with that. And Addy's like, okay, Addy, I'm happy to wait. Addy kind of looks a little relieved. I he thought. does look a little relieved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still wish it was Amy. Me too. But And let's be honest, eventually it will be Amy. But the two of them together, yeah. It's all right. That's all right. If it gives us scenes with Dave and Billy together <laughs> and more yeah. of this nonsense, there's Dave with his apron on, with his, and it just looks like high-octane red wine that they're drinking as well. You can smell <laughs> it just by looking at it. I thought it was a fantastic scene. Red wine is just really, really having a moment on Coronation Street this mm. week, isn't it? Right. Yeah, From being... That. Spilled all over the place at Fizz's to mm-hmm. sloshed around in glasses at Dev's. Right. Belly. Delightful. Delightful. Moving on then. Just a few scenes from Afternoon Delight. On Wednesday, Eileen bumps into the Undertaker and asks if he wants to get his hole tonight. It seems the Undertaker hasn't been making any moves on Eileen, so she thinks that she'll make things better by calling him a dead fish. More importantly, and I'm starting to think, well, please don't fall out again. Right. Please. More importantly, though, Mary pops up and tells him to consider the other poor souls that are trapped in that house. So Eileen and the Undertaker meet up in the funeral parlour, and Mary, who doesn't work at the funeral parlour, turns up wanting a house meeting right here, right now. It's not fair that fellow housemates don't have a say in Eileen's hall. It's common courtesy, and the Undertaker supports the motion, much to Eileen's chagrin. Mm -hmm. Later, I think he's a little terrified of Mary. Yeah, and Mary this week is uber terrifying. She's like, She's a bit too much, I think, this week. Just a wee bit. Later, the Undertaker makes it clear that the Nuki ban was only out of respect for Mary and Sean, so no overnight guests doesn't mean no afternoon delights. Ha <laughs> ha. So off they go back to the house for a bit of that. And after getting their hole, Eileen runs into Mary and concedes that one night a week should be housemates only. No fellas. Sorry, Sean. <laughs> and that's as far as we get with that this week that feels like it probably could have been incorporated into something else but yes like it. like the other storyline that mary's in where she's terrifying mm-hmm. anything to say about that they're together it's stuck for a week um yeah yeah good enough yeah it does it does just remind me how asexual they keep making mary though yeah and they're, they're not going to change that overnight no not that there's anything wrong with being asexual, it's just that I don't think Mary as a Mary character isn't. is written as asexual. No. Our next storyline is Farewell to Norris. Oh, you spoiled it. Yeah. <laughs> On Wednesday, Ken's back. Yay! And he's having Yay? a coffee 
with Rita, where they badmouth Norris and how much of an insufferable nosy piece of shit he is. Apparently he wants Ken to go visit him. He has some news. So rather than do that, Ken goes to see Mary about Norris. Mary's <laughs> none the wiser, but reckons Frida is a control freak, which is why Norris has been off the radar. She still misses him, but has no interest in going with Ken to see how he's doing. In the rovers, Ken is still delaying going to see that prick Norris. Jenny suggests inviting Norris and Frida to meet in the pub. So Ken gives him a call, but ends up reaching a paramedic. And later on the street... Isn't it lucky that he just happened to call just right then? Right. Later on the street, Mary learns from Rita that it looks like Norris had a stroke. Not like that. It's Shady Acres. So Mary, Mary, Rita and Ken arrive at the hospital and see Frida, who's outside with Norris's wide-angle lens in her hand, and she explains that Norris passed away a few moments ago. Oh, that's a bit of a shame. Says everybody. I think I kind of wanted a bit of a bigger reaction from... They seem... Rita's in tears. Rita's really upset. Rita's upset. And Mary's upset. But Ken has basically been calling Norris a prick for like half an hour. Right. He doesn't even seem to really be... Well, he's sort of regretting not calling Norris back. But that's short-lived because Mm -hmm. Frida then tells him what Norris wanted to talk about, which is something Ken absolutely did not want to talk about. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that now. Frida explains to Ken that Norris suspected Claudia and Charles were uh, were banging, and that's what he wanted to talk about. He spent hours trying to catch them with his telephoto lens. That's kind of funny. It is funny. And he was up a tree and stuff. Yeah. Frida found him passed out in a bush. Just like Lady Di, says Mary. <laughs> Rita explains that over the last 18 months, they've forgotten how to check in on folk. Josh should see them. Mary puts her reticence to see him down to jealousy, which is her one flaw. Ken agrees to sure. call Emily for some reason and Rita observes that he went doing what he loved best, being a right nosy shitbag. <laughs> Back at the Rovers, Jenny learns the sad news. Kathy and Dev are saddened. Emma is confused. What a character, they agree. A little piece of the street gone for good. And Jenny's put on yeah, a... Yeah, f- all of a sudden everybody's really sad and, and being really nice when they talk about <laughs> Norris. Mm-hmm. When just a little while ago, nobody wanted to go see him. Right. Which is the way of things, isn't it? Yeah. Jenny's put on a finger buffet where the great and the good and the old reminisce about Norris and grief. The people Rita worked with in the cabin were the true loves of her life, she says. He was the finest of men, says Mary. Eh. Mary seems to forget this week <laughs> what her what her marriage to Norris, Norris was like. Mm. Well, they abandoned her. Yeah. And it was out of convenience right. to be on a game show. Right. Hosted by Vic Reeves. Yes. Not hosted by Vic Reeves. Vic Reeves was there. But yeah. And she dressed up like Princess Leia. Yeah, it was... I don't know. I loved the Norris character. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if you did. He was all right. I, I didn't mind him. I was not, you know, I didn't grow up with him the way you did. Right. You have that character being like that. Uh-huh pretty much without deviation for a decade or whatever. Right. Yeah. You know where you are with Norris, and you know that he's a busybody. Right. the street needs busybodies, otherwise nobody learns anything. So that's they they play a part. And I really liked him in the whole Shady Acres stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, being kind of... Well, he was a man on the inside. He had had the inside track, The foil to Ken, yeah. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed Norris when I saw him, you know... On this in the, in the show, so 
It does make me sad that he's gone. I know. I mean, we knew. We knew this was coming. Yeah, well, because Malcolm the, the Hayden, actor had already kind of announced retired, right? that he was retiring, that he didn't want to act anymore. Not in the greatest of health. So I, th- I think it's good that he gets the little send-off while he's still with us. Yes. As, that doesn't all, and, and it doesn't always work that way. No. So, yeah, yeah. A, a, a classic character. And I think somebody says, like, he cast a long shadow on the street. Mm-hmm. And I think for many years he did. Mm-hmm. What a, he was one of those characters that you um, associate with Coronation Street for yes. a very, very long time. Yes. Good stuff. Yes. On Thursday, Mary comes into the funeral parlour to arrange her husband's funeral. The Undertaker thinks his partner Frida is taking care of it, but Mary demands her say as his only surviving spouse. And Aren't they just, divorced? Yeah. So you're not his only surviving spouse, Mary. You're divorced. Yeah, you're divorced spouse, but I don't know. I, I think I can understand what, from. And he abandoned you, and it was a marriage of convenience to get on a game show. Meanwhile, Frida and Gemma are chatting with sign language about Norris and the shadow he cast on people's lives. Frida is worried about going to the Undertaker's alone, so Gemma agrees to go with. So they turn up and the Undertaker tells them where he's up to in the arrangements, and this is news to the Undertaker. This is news to Frida and Gemma. Right, who tell them that Mary is taking care of it, and Frida is not impressed. So Frida tracks Mary down and they have it out. Mary explains that Norris, and she talked about his disposal many times uh, but Frida insists as his partner she knows Norris's wishes Mary demands input but agrees to run everything by Frida first and with Frida gone Mary secretly calls Piper Major McClenach mm-hmm. and it kind of sounds initially that she's she's cancelling the Piper no she's arranging it <laughs> that's what it turns out so Gemma calls an emergency meeting at the Rovers and for Mary and Frida to come to an agreement about the arrangements Mary has booked a Piper which confuses Gemma because Norris wasn't Scottish. No. Frida's not sure about bagpipes. Well, you wouldn't have to listen to them, says Mary. Oh, which is such a fucking awful thing for her to say. Mm-hmm, and everyone's shocked. I was shocked. I gasped out loud when she said that. I was like, what is wrong with you, Mary? Mm-hmm. This is somebody that you were not in love with. That it was a marriage of convenience to get at a game show and he abandoned you years ago. A radio game show as well, wasn't even on the telly. And Frida actually lived with him, was living with him at the time, loved him, he loved her, and she's the one who's actually grieving. And Mary just has... Did he love her? Because weren't they trying to plan his escape? I don't remember. But I think they, they, they But he went back to her. Well, yeah, he was certainly with her. Yes. It's undeniable. And... You know, Mary reminds me so much of my own Aunt Mary in this, at, at this it's, part. It's just... She's lovely, Mary but she's got a side to her that's just awful. No empathy for Frida at all. No. You know, and that's just... It doesn't feel like Mary. No. You know, who tends to be a very empathetic and caring character. And also, it frustrates me that all of a sudden they're making it seem like she always held a torch for Norris when... We know she didn't. So the two of them continue to bigger. Frida has to finally insist that her wishes be respected and she's about to tell Mary to suck a bag of dicks when Claudia wanders in. Sup, bitches, says Claudia, gravelly. Right. Hello, everyone. Claudia. I'm back. Claudia misses Norris and his little ripples. I'm bringing sexy back. <laughs> she claims to have been very close to Norris near the end. Never, He was never too far away from her with his binoculars and telephoto lenses. 
She has made arrangements for Sleepy Acres to host bird the wake. Sleepy or and, bird watching. And wonders why Mary is even here. I thought it was hilarious. Frida asks Rita for her opinion and Rita reckons that there's no place like the Rovers to have the wake. So that's what they agree to do. On Friday, Mary, Frida and Gemma are still snarking about the arrangements. Mary refuses to back down on the flowers and won't let Frida organise the interpreter for her friends. Mary is being a total fucking nightmare here. She is. It's like, <laughs> you don't care about the interpreter. Why don't you just let Frida, who's trying to bury her partner... Mm-hmm. Deal with it. Deal with the interpreter. She probably knows quite a few good ones. Mary just has to be totally removed from this. Right. Somebody needs to remove her from it. Yeah, because she's the one who's being the control freak here, and right. it's ridiculous. Separately, Gemma tells Ches that Alad's operation is the day before Norris's funeral, so they won't be able to go. Ches doesn't really give a shit about Norris, but this makes him contemplate his own mortality and legacy. He thinks four words to describe him would be, he was a good egg. Five words. Sure. Rather than boring, boring, boring Chesney. Or hitself with brick. Yep. Mary is already at the Undertaker when Frida and Gemma turn up. The flowers have been cancelled, but the interpreter hasn't been arranged yet. Frida and Gemma react so badly that Mary removes herself from the process and flounces out. The Undertaker gets a telling off from Gemma to speak to Frida, as it's Frida who's making the arrangements, which I thought was... That is something that non-deaf people do. Right, if a deaf yeah. person has a non-deaf person with, with them, them, you speak you'll to, speak to non-deaf right, person. Instead of <clears throat> turning and facing the deaf person so they can read your lips. It's just my face, says the undertaker. I'm not scared <laughs> of you. And then he hurries off to get the price list. Later at the rovers, Frida asks Gemma to do a reading at the funeral. So Gemma has to explain about Alad's operation. And Frida is so disappointed that Chesney is getting his way in this that she walks away from her. And Frida thinks the decision is rushed and a deliberately distancing Alad from the deaf community. Gemma says that's not the case, and to prove it, she suggests that they all go to a deaf playgroup tomorrow. Frida, who has a funeral to arrange, thinks this is a great idea. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. I'm glad I'm glad that they're speaking a bit more about how deaf people on the whole feel about cochlear implants and how it separates you from from your community and and stuff. I, I do wish somebody would explain to the people on the street that cochlear implants does not mean that you can hear. Well, I think they've said that before in the past. Right. But Gemma still keeps saying things like, you know, I want him to be able to hear my voice and, and hear us gobbing and stuff, which I'm, I'm sorry. For someone with cochlear implants to be in that house is going to be a nightmare for that person. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's sad to see Norris go. And I'm sad to see that this is bringing out really the worst in Mary. Yeah. But Mary did have some funny lines this week, but overall she was just a pain in the arse. And I really so... don't like feeling that way about Mary. No, no, you don't want to feel that way about Mary. I thought it was it was pretty sweet the way they were all like, oh, you're insisting on flowers because Frida just wants to do, you know, okay, we have, I'm going to do flowers and you're going to do the stapler, which actually I really want to see the stapler. I really do want to see the stapler. Rob Schneider is the stapler. <laughs> it reminds me of The Office. Right. And Jelly. Yes. Or Jello. I enjoyed the fact that they kind of turned that around on Mary and saying, oh, well, who's the one who's going to profit? From all these flowers being bought. No, true. Not putting money in Tracy Barlow's pocket. Right, yeah. And that's when Mary kind of 
puts on the brakes and no, that's not what I meant. How mm-hmm. dare you for thinking that I meant that right. sort of thing. So uh, people are willing to put Mary in their place and I'm glad of that. It's just, <sighs> I don't like seeing the side of Mary. No, nor do I. All right. Let's move on to our penultimate storyline, which is Max's new headroom. Because Max has got a new head. Well done, Broom. In his room. Well done. On, well done. I. Two thumbs up. Yeah. On Thursday, Daniel is in Roy's Rolls with a copy of Titus Andronicus and being a twat in front of Bernie. He puts her off it by telling her it's full of murder and mutilation and cannibalism. A bit like Corey then. <laughs> it's for the kids a comparative with Macbeth. Right. And she says, well, I guess I'll just read the new Daniel Steele then. Mm hmm. Forgetting, of course, that Danielle Steele has been dead for like over 10 years. She's, well, she must have a new one. <laughs> David is surprised to find Max on the street, first because he's supposed to be at school and second because he's got a different head on his shoulders. We discover that Max has double English with Osborne. We assume Daniel, not Ozzy. At school, Daniel really is teaching children. I knew he was going to... The- he really training, but I right, didn't realise he'd realize become he- a teacher. Yeah, because when you would have... You would have a number of years as like, or at least a year of student teaching. Maybe that's what he's doing. But if you were a student teacher, you'd be there with another teacher. You wouldn't be like, the only teacher in the room. Who yeah. knows? So, you know, stuff, stuff has been going on behind the scenes. We know that stuff has been going on behind the scenes yep. with Daniel and his education. So who knows? Max thinks Shakespeare is well boring. Daniel asks what he'd prefer to read and recommends the Gruffalo's children. Max has no interest in engaging and child. leaves Daniel wondering what he's doing. The Gruffalo's child. The Gruffalo David, only has one child. David bumps into Daniel and asks how Max is getting on. Ma- uh, Daniel explains that Max is hard work and he likes making smart arse comments, which I don't know if that's what we saw yeah, in playing to the I'm, gallery. I'm not sure that's what we saw he either. He was rather mild, mm-hmm. was Max, with his hatred of Shakespeare. We'll just see about that, says David. So at home, David gives Max a row, but Max doesn't care. David doesn't want to hear that Max has been giving Daniel Osborne a hard time again. And Max, with the new head, chooses to stroll up the stairs away from the argument rather than running this time. Right, yeah. And and David does this whole, I don't want you to grow up to be exactly like me. Right. On Friday, David is up early giving Max a hard time for suddenly being shite at school and being a wee prick. Max, much like David in the past, doesn't care and leaves without breakfast. And at school, he hasn't handed his homework in to Daniel, claiming to have forgotten. So Daniel, who isn't handling the situation well at all, puts him on detention. Right, yeah. And and Max had just told David that he had no homework. Right. And David's like, why don't the teachers give you homework? I don't know, maybe because they're lazy. Does this sound familiar, Mr. Broom? We've heard this from two out of three so far, I think. <laughs> at Roy's Rolls, David and Sean are talking about Max being on track to fail GCSEs. In comes Daniel, who explains about Max's lack of homework. David and Shona want Daniel to tutor Max, so Daniel pretends to be dead and then slowly crawls out of the cafe over the course of several hours. At home, David has decided to take matters into his own hands and learn about Macbeth himself. <laughs> That's as far as we get with that this week. So this right. is introducing New Max. Right. Because I think New Max has a storyline story coming, coming up. And I think yeah. that this is it, where he's yeah. suddenly becoming a shit. Yeah. A juvenile delinquent because we need another one of those on the street. Right. <sighs> I think we've still we've still got Simon for this, right? That's what I thought. I mean, remember old Max was kind of a prick there for a wee bit, and then you know, voice his frustrations to to 
through the medium of Ben Price. <laughs> to Craig. Right. Who then left we'll without saying a word. We'll never forget that. We will never forget that. You know, yeah. Daniel is more insufferable as a teacher as he was uh, not as a teacher. That's I, something, right? I guess. It's weird seeing him in this environment. In a position of authority. Right. Yeah, very much so. And it is, it, he isn't He isn't wrong. I did like the scene with him and David and Shona where they're like, well, you can just, you can just tutor him, right? And Fuck he keeps, that. He keeps giving excuses. Well, you do it. it would look. How about you do it? It would look unfair. It would look unfair to the other kids. Oh, well, they don't need to know. You live on the street. We live right next door. Oh, well, you know, remember, I do have a baby. You do And it. I'm a single parent. Oh, well, I'll watch, Birdie. You do it. You really want, you really think David's going to be able to help Max? I think, you, I think try before you start soaking up any free hours that Daniel's got to give. Right. And is Daniel still tutoring Sam? No, Sam, Sam's outgrown that. <laughs> quite some time ago uh, hmm. so uh, d- lots to come in this storyline I guess right yes and lots to process right. like Max's new head and Daniel being a teacher right because he didn't even graduate did he graduate from school Daniel you'd think that there would have been like a whole graduation oh I've got my degree now so now I have to go and and Put my CV out there so I can get a job as a teacher. And oh, isn't it tough being a teacher these days with the whole COVID and everything? And why aren't any of those kids wearing masks? You know half of them aren't vaccinated. Hmm. (sighs) Anyway. Our final storyline today is Tim's mum over at the house. On Thursday, it's Yasmin's birthday and she's thrilled to have spoken to Zidane, who claims to be visiting in a couple of weeks. Alia is less than impressed and up to her tits and receipts and accounts. Yasmin promises to start pulling her weight in that regard. And then Tim's mum's back. Woohoo! Lots of, lots of returns this week. Yeah. She has a present for Yasmin at Speeddal. Yasmin is planning a no-limits party. Cake, wine, no-limits. Lesbian making out. Alia take what? Alia takes a massive booking for a golden wedding party tomorrow, so Tim's mum agrees to stay put and help out. Yasmin has got her Photoshop skills up to point and made a fancy menu for the golden wedding anniversary party thing. Tim's mum is very impressed, reckoning that this is empowering for her. Yasmin gets onto the invoices next, and Alia's about. Oh, I don't know if this is too soon. I, don't I know can't if she's be the only one who wants Yasmin and Tim's mum to hook up, right? We've, yeah, we've said this several times, I think. Mm. So on Friday, Alia is not having a great day. The delivery is late, they're running low on supplies, the invoices are overdue, the driver is lost and Yasmin was having problems paying them online. They're even out of flour. Then the party of 12 arrives and it's only a party of three. There's a mum, a gran, a son and we will learn... Three and a half? ...a pet tarantula named Larry. (laughs) While Alia argues with the driver on the phone, the family are unimpressed about the lack of wine or bread. Meanwhile, Larry is escaping from his Tupperware container. wouldn't you not take a tarantula to a restaurant? And also, wouldn't you if you if you were booking a place for a fancy meal for a celebration for twelve? Wouldn't wouldn't you know what their menu is like and whether or not they serve alcohol? Yeah, and you'd also maybe phone ahead and say that it's not twelve after all; it's right. three because they're pushing tables together for you, right? And putting all these decorations up and printing twelve menus. Fucking people! Seriously. Oh. This is why I don't deal with them anymore. (laughs) 
Right. So, yeah, the spider's escaping. Then Alia gets a call from the bank about suspicious activity on the account and they ask her for some details. Then the tattooed delivery guy finally arrives just as other customers spot the tarantula crawling across the table, which makes Alia jump up and down. The family are very nonplussed by this but refuse to touch it. That's Jimmy's job, and as it's 2pm, he's off for a shite at the minute. And typically, With his comic book. That can take some time. Right, because he's got his comic book to read. He's a boy after my own heart. I used to take my Asterix books to the toilet with me. <laughs> Actually, I still do that. Only, only with not. your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's finished his shite and the search is underway for Larry, while Tim's mum is on the phone to the RSPCA. He'll turn up, says his mum. It's fine, says Hope. And Jimmy says, I'm going to sue. <laughs> the tarantula still hasn't been dealt with, but Alia's doing some phone banking and is horrified to discover that the business account has been emptied. Then they find the tarantula. Tim's mum thinks it'll be a bank error, but Alia reckons it's Yasmin's fault for being overwhelmed. And Tim's mum takes care of the tarantula family and tells Alia just to call the bank. Right, and not jump to conclusions or J to C. I hated that. What are you doing, Tim's mum? First Mary has been unbearable, this and is, now Tim's mum is. This is kind of par for the course of Tim's things mum. That are unnecessary she to be abbreviated. Weird, she's always said weird things. That's what we used to say at work. She said, "Oh." You're a bit of an asshole, Tim's mum. Anyway. No, she's just weird. The bank doesn't have a scooby of what Alia's talking about and it quickly becomes apparent that Alia has been scammed and it's all her fault. Then Yasmin wanders across the scene muttering how proud she is of her granddaughter. Quietly, Alia calls the Dan and leaves a message about being scammed. Meanwhile, Tim's mum is hoovering up spider's eggs while contemplating spider's private parts. Right, the even two- though the spider we're assuming was male because, because his name Larry. was Larry. I don't think that... I think I'm with... Tim's mum on that. That doesn't really tell you anything that you need to know. The other two spiders who didn't make it to dinner because Larry is the favourite were Mo and Curly. Mm -hmm. This young child uh, is a fan of the Three Stooges. I believe that. I don't. The Stooges are shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Young boys love the Stooges. No they don't. They agree (laughs) to keep all this from Yasmin. At the end of the day, Yasmin is thrilled by how everything went, despite all the hiccups. You're more of a Laurel and Hardy guy. As should everyone be. (laughs) Or Harold Lloyd. I liked Harold Lloyd as well. Alia's about to say something when, lo and behold, in comes the Dan. All right, bitches, he says as well. Yet another. Yet another. Old face. Everything old is new again on the show. New hair. After the pleasantries, Zidane announces that he knows about the scam that Yasmin knows nothing about. Mm-hmm. What's this all about, Alia? says Yasmin. So Alia explains that everything has been lost and Yasmin knows that they were keeping her in the dark because they thought she was incapable of dealing with it. <coughs> Alia promises to sort it. You'd fucking better, says Yasmin, and she leaves. I'm going home. So Alia and Zidane catch up. Alia explaining everything that she had to do to keep everything afloat. And by the way, how did you get here so fast? Because you were only coming here... You were supposed to be coming here in two weeks' time. Right. It's like I was only coming from London, not Pakistan. Yeah, and they adjusted his collar and goes to make something to eat. And after their meal, Zidane announces that he has the cash to help them out and promised to inject 50 grand into the bank account tomorrow. Alia is, well, she's pleased but suspicious. Right, yeah. And when he went to go make something to eat, he kind of, he did a fist. It wasn't a a smile fade, but it was a lean against the sink and sigh heavily. Right. Which isn't a thing at the moment. There's something that he's not telling her, she's sure. How did they get here so quick and where did they get the money? He insists he has nothing to hide. Trust me, he says. And that's the end of this week's episodes. Yes. Huzzah! 
So Zidane is the one that scammed him, right? I I think so. I just don't know why. To look like the good guy. And to buy back the rest of the of Speed Doll? Maybe. 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 It's Weird very though, coincidental. Yeah. That they get scammed out of all their money. And then all and of then a sudden Zidane he shows, shows up. up with all their money. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. And it sounds like he was just hanging about outside waiting to come in. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in Stockport or wherever it was. He yeah. wasn't in London. No. He arrived very, very quickly. Yes, he did. So he was in the area waiting, mm. waiting to make this, mm. seemingly make this uh, entrance. Mm. It's good to see him back again. God, I've forgotten. Yeah. He was surly chef number one. Remember when he when left? Working at the bistro. Remember when he left? In the back of a black taxi. Oh, wasn't there something about assault in a alleyway with lesbians? Yes. God, that's going back a while, isn't it? Yeah. Remember, we gave him a hard time for not coming back for Rana's funeral. Mm-hmm. Rana would have been crushed by that. She would have. Since Charlie approves of the Rana being crushed <laughs> jokes, I'm I, I have no further objections to them. <laughs> well, in that case, I'll stop saying them. <laughs> So nice to see Tim's mum again, despite her being slightly weird. But yeah. Alia has been working Very hard. her wee socks off to keep the business afloat and right. to keep her grand afloat. sane. Yes. And with us. Yes. Because where was Zidane when all the Tim's dad stuff was happening? Right. Yeah. He was and the way And the way Yasmin's just like, as soon as he walks down, she's like, so happy to see him, like... He's the golden child mm-hmm. and everything. That yeah. can't make Alia feel good. Alia does make the fatted calf remark, doesn't she? Let's get the fatted calf for the for the meal right. to celebrate Zidane coming home. Right. Here's a prodigal son back. Right. The prodigal grandson. Right. Which is funny because they're Muslim. Yeah. Still, they, they're aware of the references. Yes. But yeah. We do share the Old Testament. That's not from the Old Testament, though. It's Jesus. No. Jesus is in the Quran, though. M- Muppets on Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it is, it's suspicious by his just by yeah. his arrival. Right. It is, Never mind coming on the back at all. This stuff it is very on. suspicious. It is nice. It's it's nice to have that dynamic back. I think. I think it's it's good. Honestly, it's kind of nice to see so many faces coming back to the street, mm-hmm. you know, because we got Tim's mom, we got Zidane, we've got Claudia, we've got Frida, mm-hmm. we've got Ken. Right. You know, it, it. And I think when we saw Ken, we realized how long it's been since we've seen Ken. Right. Yeah, because he was quite sick for quite some time. Yeah. So it's just Rita. We haven't seen Rita, we haven't in the seen Rita time. since sh- the other Shannon left. It's Sharon. Yeah, it, it's it's a little uh, off point when you're watching the the classics and these characters. You know, Ken's in it all the mm-hmm. time and Rita's in it all the time, and you forget how long you've actually seen them in the in up to date contemporary storylines. But right. it really has been been months and months. So we have had a, a kind of gathering of of new characters, which mm-hmm. is really weird because Friday's episodes were so bad. Just so bad. It, the tarantula thing was just... And it and seemed I to take know, up the entire 
fucked off of the episode. I don't know if I'm being unfair because Benny and I just watched the Kim's Convenience episode where there's a tarantula uh, wandering about the convenience store. And, you know, this is... Why is it always a tarantula? It's it's either a tarantula or a snake. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what. These things are always getting loose places. Somebody's always brought an inappropriate pet into a into some place and it's gotten loose. And aren't we above this by now? They just won all of these awards and they're telling a tarantula story. At least make it a hamster. <laughs> a rabid hamster. And it felt like a really weird place to leave it too, didn't it? The tarantula thing? No, no. This week's episodes. Oh, yeah. Because uh, it's not really a cliffhanger. It's just Zidane and Alia sitting on couches. See, I, I wonder how much they know of where this episode is going to land in terms of the week. Because remember, this there was an extra episode. Right. So was Thursday really meant to be Friday? But here's the thing. Because Thursday was here's, better because Alina left. But here's the thing. They knew about this. This wasn't like a surprise that they weren't going to be able to have it on Wednesday last yeah, week. Yeah, but I don't know. If three months in advance, they know exactly this is going to be a four-episode week and this right. is going to be a two-episode week. Yeah, no, so fair enough. I, I feel like this... This may have been a Monday. This may supposedly have been a Monday rather than a Friday. Oh, well, no, because this is catching up. Because we got away with our... We had our two weeks... Our two episodes last week... So this is catching up. So this is getting us back on cycle again. So Friday yeah. really was Friday. Yeah. It didn't so feel I've like a Friday. So I just talked myself out of that and it didn't yeah. feel like a Friday at no. all. Thursday felt like a Friday. Yeah. Because Alina left. Yeah. Rubbing her belly. And drinking tomato juice. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Oh well. That was the week that was. It was that week that was. Coronation Street. Mm-hmm. Your moment of the week? Devin Billy. I don't think so. What do you think it is? Well, it was Roy and Dev last week, so I'm, I'm it's kind wary of, okay. about giving it. All right. Tyrone under the table. I think it's Hope and Tyrone and Alina in the cafe. I don't know. Hope was really good in that. That's what that's what I'm saying. I'm kind of tired of Tyrone being so shouty and blaming everybody for all of his problems. Mm. Well, if it isn't that and it isn't Billy and Dev, then it shouldn't be Billy and Dev. We've stuck by these rules for three years. <sighs> um, you know what? Why don't we just let Tyrone... It It should go to Alina because this is the last opportunity Alina's ever going to have. And you, you'd come round to it for that reason. <laughs> because it's Alina's last week. So this gives, gets Alina involved in that moment right. of the week. That's his Hope's moment of the it week. It is really Hope's moment, else. yeah. But that whole thing where Hope... I hate you. And then, turn, but it all because kind of turns Because this is really around. the first time that Alina has heard mm-hmm. this. Hope has said this to other people, but Hope has never really said to Alina's face how much she hates her. She's dealing with her rage, but it's that reaction to getting really scolded by Tyrone that really made me sit up and think that's moment of the week potential right there. Correct. All right. For the first time, then, Alina and Hope. And f- for the Tyrone. Meetings, yeah. Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Daniel telling Bernie about <laughs> Titus Andronicus. Yeah. Welcome back, Daniel. Descends back to his throne. <laughs> Takes his rightful position on the throne of 
for a moment of the week. Poor Daniel. He wasn't even that boring. It's just funny to do it now. It's just... They keep doing this where he's trying to explain a book to somebody who is... I'm doing scarecrows here. Not as intelligent as he is. Mm -hmm. And it gets old and tired and it's not funny. No, and it just makes him out to be an asshole. Right. Which is why we don't like him. Yeah. Sorry, Daniel. Shall we wrap this one up then? Yes, please. If you've ever fallen for an online scam, send your account number and sort code to us for safekeeping. We're the talk of the street at gmail.com and we're at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can check me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of vogel.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more The Talk of the Street. The Talk of the Street. Bye. Cheerio.